everybody and welcome again to the Borderline Podcast with me, your host, Andrew Willicks. I hope everybody's doing really well and I hope everybody's staying safe after Storm Babbitt plunged us for a couple of days, although it's it's lovely today, isn't it? This is Sunday, by the way, just in case you're uh, Sunday the 20, 22nd of October. Sheesh, two months still crumble nearly. Anyway, yeah, I hope you're all doing really well. Um, I'm going to just do a little weekly recap. Obviously, it's been a while since I've done a a, a proper, proper podcast topic. So this is what um, today is going to be about. But as ever, we'll just run through run through my week. And for a lot of you that follow me across on the Instagram page, you'll know that I've had a bit of a shitter for the last times, although I'm starting to get a little bit better. So I've been back to work this week, um, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Um, finally got the full eight-hour shift on Friday, thank God. And um, yeah, that was good. It was it was nice to be back. Work's important to me, so, so is routine. Um, Ian, a little bit more too. Obviously, when I kind of go through these episodes, my appetite goes totally flat. So that's coming back. And although I'm still kind of dipping, my moods are kind of up and down. I'm generally, I am doing a little bit better. So, and on that, I've, I've honestly received so many messages this week. Um, and thank you so much. It, more to do with the content as well that I've been creating. Um, I've been, if I'm being honest, I'm, I've been really doubting myself of late, and that's been kind of getting me down too. So it's been it was really, really, really nice and unexpected to get some um, messages out the blue regarding that. And um, I've had a lot of good conversations with people that have been struggling a little bit now too. And it's good to exchange them. It's good to have these conversations. It's healthy. It's healthy to address the situation. So, um, we're coming up to November, and obviously this podcast is all about raising awareness so i kind of thought we'd do a special episodes um kind of linked to specific mental mental illnesses and whatnot and i'm going to start to the root of root of mine anyway uh, in this episode and that is talk about anxiety and obviously a lot of you know that i've been a, i've been a sufferer from anxiety so i just put out the post on the other night from what did we say september 2009 roughly is i think I, the, the the time scale that i've agreed that that is when you'd have decided to plague me with all of her sin um uh, uh unsullied no more i shall be after that day so uh, what so what is anxiety um because there's so many loose terms for anxiety if we t- want to talk about like normal anxiety you know normal anxiety could be because you've got a meeting at work that you're kind of nervous about or you got a speech or you're having to go on a plane or a roller coaster you know kind of normal anxiety nerves We're, we need to separate what is nerves versus what is anxiety because anxiety as a disorder is completely different to you know, maybe perpetual anxiety that you're you're not looking forward to something. So anxiety as a disorder, what is it? So anxiety is basically a response from your limbic system from when it, it detects danger. It's it's it feels under threat. And that response is fight or flight. I know a lot of you have heard this before. Anyway, that's maybe maybe hey, maybe you're a first time listener wanting to listen in and learn a little bit about mental health. That's great. So fight or flight response the best way that i can kind of summarize that is back in the day you know in the old ice age what cavemen would have been out looking for their deer or whatever woolly mammoth that they used to hunt and obviously they'd come across the old saber-toothed tiger now when they'd come across the saber-toothed tiger they'd be they'd be down to two two choices they either fight it or they they run away and that is exactly what's happening to your body when you're you're hitting a state of anxiety. Is it's, it's it kind of goes into this little shock and it doesn't really know what to do. And the reason you'll feel this is because obviously, if your body kind of hits that fight or flight response, it's going to pound you full of adrenaline. So you're kind of geared up for that to take off and run or to fight, to fight and defend yourself. So that's why you kind of get that amped and that 
the nerves really take over the kind of the irrationalization shall we say takes over when you you start kind of a, an anxiety episode because you, there is hormones getting introduced to your system that are at a higher level than what they usually are so triggers can be all sorts of things because obviously there's so many different types of anxiety so we could start with obviously a generalized anxiety disorder i think that's probably the most common that would be diagnosed by um by doctors and uh, clinicians physicians whatever you want to call them and yeah that kind of encompasses uh, obviously a lot of different types of anxieties if it's not really quite specific maybe there's a lot of different triggers you don't really understand what your triggers are so you fall into the generalized um anxiety disorder or gad it's called for short um so another really common one as well social anxiety disorder um that's something that I've, I've suffered with quite badly and it's really not a fun one obviously it kind of gives it away in the name it's uh anxiety over social certain social events and they're not you know if somebody just say i suffer from social anxiety and you know somebody else suffers from social anxiety we don't have the same fears of the same social events it's it's all to do with you know did something happened in the past could that trigger your anxiety um, a chemical imbalance that you just quite can't understand yet there's all these different situations that anxiety attacks us in and everybody's different so that's really important if you're speaking to somebody or you're listening to somebody that's talking about their anxiety is that not everybody's the same and we have to be really open to that is that yes is there are ways to address and there are ways to fix these issues to people that suffer with anxiety but you have to be so open-minded on the spectrum that when we deal with stuff like this so another one that maybe you could kind of closely link to social anxiety would be agoraphobia. And again, that's something that uh, what, what I'm going to do at the end of this episode is I'm going to talk about like the, the different types of anxiety and symptoms and whatnot that I felt. So we'll do that later. But, you know, agoraphobia is basically obviously the fear of going outside um, in an open spaces, wherever that be. It doesn't have to obviously then necessarily be a social situation as such, you know. I've had it before that even the thought of even looking outside has been a horrible, horrible thought at the time. It makes you feel really sick, which is obviously very hard to understand. And another thing that's obviously very hard to understand is hypochondriacism. Is it hypochondrianism? I don't know if that's actually a word. Um, yeah, so obviously you're, I forgot to say it, it's panicking over panicking. Um, you create anxieties in yourself. It's not quite in the kind of Munchausen. Munchausen? This is disease is that what's called disorder anyway i'm getting distracted but obviously because of this anxiety you know if you get you can get cold the cold can become worse you can get a flu that flu is then a lot worse and you can pick up obviously in your environments I, I, i'm guessing it would be a horrible time if you're hypochondriac um during covid i can't imagine what that was like and uh, it's quite sad because again there's it's the people the people that suffer this do not have the rationale to think normally and that that's the awareness that needs to be addressed for all this is that when people suffer it's a it's, it's very easy to make fun on fun of and make the little jokes and digs that for you might be a very easy thing and you know you could laugh it off but you have to understand obviously you know people don't understand that oh, we cannot just do it can they not just calm themselves down no you fucking idiot they cannot control their brain at that current stage that's why it's called a fucking illness idiots and something that I get asked commonly is, is a depression the type of anxiety? No, it's not. Um, depression is a different beast, a totally different beast entirely. And you can obviously develop depression from anxiety, but the two aren't the same. Um, I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is do another episode completely on depression because that's a really important one. That's, that could be huge. And a panic disorder, that's another quite common one, I believe, uh, that's starting to become addressed is a panic disorder. Obviously, you know, panic and 
over a panicking. And what's quite common there is that obviously uh, panic attacks are quite uh, common with people that suffer from that for no apparent reason whatsoever. So you kind of have to understand that the distress that people that suffer from this is really distressing because people do not know why it's happening to them. Unless, unless you've went down the therapy route, which a lot of us can't afford and a lot of us can't do, we don't know why we feel this way. And it's very, very, very hard to try and, I'm not going to say live a normal life, but when you have anxiety, it's in your head. It is in your head, so you think about it all the time, or I do. And that is good to a degree, but that can also be really negative because while you're getting encompassed with symptoms, you know, you can overthink these symptoms and that, again, can lead to more panic. And obviously a really, really, really common symptom of people that suffer from anxiety is really bad guts and IBS and whatnot. And that's because there's this constant cortisol production that's almost like, like I've said the analogy before, it's just like the taps being left on and it's just dripping into the stomach. And that way you can feel cortisol in your stomach. It's a, phys- it's a, a really strong physical pain, that I get of anxiety. And I'm sure a lot of you else do. And it's horrible. It's that that nervous, horrible stomach's churning. You kind of feel fine. Almost like a really bad hangover, but, you know, imagine, yeah, there's a good one. Imagine a really horrible stomach hangover 24-7. There you go. Like, not even that. You would have known why you had the hangover. So imagine you woke up with the exact feelings of a hangover day after day after day and having no fucking idea why you felt like that. That is a day in the life of anxiety sufferer. Uh, whatever symptoms. Okay, so actually what I'm going to do here is I'm going to, I've got a full list. This is going to take probably a minute or two and we're going to go through every listed symptom I have found of anxiety. Here we go. So we'll start off with obviously excessive worrying, worrying over worrying, which obviously panic attacks. Derealization, which is obviously the feeling of lucid, detached from your surroundings. Depersonalization, feeling detached from your own persona and personality. Feeling apprehensive, hypochondria, the fear of panic attacks, body checking, you're looking for illnesses, repetitive and looping thoughts, feeling terrified, obsessive thoughts, inability to relax, difficulty completing tasks, feeling hopeless and depressed, overactive imagination, agoraphobia, fear of other people's opinions, fear of embarrassment, fear that you're developing a psychological illness, self-analyzing, negative thoughts of isolation. Deep level of focus about a person's identity. Loss of appetite. Big increase of an appetite. Loss of libido. Increase in libido. Loss of interest in work. Loss of interest in doing the things that were once enjoyable. Depressing thoughts. Dwelling on thoughts. Constantly trying to work out why you feel normal again. Constantly feeling tired. Damp and sense of humour. And inability to focus. And now we're going to have a little look at some physical uh, symptoms. Okay, so we'll look at some heart palpitations. Headaches. Lightheadedness, exhaustion, constant lethargy, irregular bowel mu- movements, chest pains, bloating, tickling, fluttering sensation in the chest and esophagus, nausea, sickness, constant pacing, dizziness, perspiration, tinnitus, stomach cramps, eye floaters, symptoms of IBS, rib pains, rib discomfort, stomach rumbling, dry mouth, feeling tired and after eating, abdominal pain, shooting pains in the back and abdomen, neck pain, aches behind the eyes. Erectile dysfunction, jaw ache, and tenderness. If you're still with me, that's an exhausted lift. <laughs> that I've read from a book, it's actually a, what is it? It's, it's a Josh Fletcher's um, anxiety, pa- panicking about panic. There you go. So that's all his, that's the psychologist, and that's all the ones that um, it's he's listed. Now, I really don't hope that there's too many people with fucking hypochondria listening to their panic disorder because, no, no. 
you may well have just been triggered. I apologize. I apologize sincerely if that is the case. But as you can see, there's so there's such a broad spectrum. And a lot of people can look at that and think, oh, well, then anything can be anxiety. But again, no, we have to look at the realization that I'm not going to say that somebody from anxiety is always going to suffer 10 times worse and feel the effects, but genuinely they are. I think we need to be honest with ourselves with that. There's obviously a deep sensitivity issue with certain subjects, and that's in the brain. And I think, um, I think for me personally, when I first started developing anxiety, the, the worst one for me is that I always felt like everybody felt like I, could, I was anxious and like everybody was looking at me. Not like, not like I felt like everybody was looking at me like paranoid like that. I just felt like everybody could tell that when I felt anxious, they could just read it on my face. I must have looked drained. I must have looked awful or something like that. And that gave me a lot of fear and that made me really uncomfortable. So that's a really common one. Um, and like I say, I, I, I developed quite a quite a bad social anxiety disorder so a lot of the things like that all kind of came back to haunt me <laughs> oh. but realistically the the most common symptoms uh, uh physical symptoms and i'm just going to focus on just now we're obviously like heart palpitations chest flutters you know that skipping a beat heart pounding hyper awareness of the heartbeat feeling that you get abdominal pains and cramps uh, your chest pains tightness in your stomach you have to remember that your stomach's your second brain in terms of um nerve endings so that's why you feel so much stomach discomfort during anxiety. Uh, derealization as well. So a sense of just total unreality and illusory detachment from surroundings, shutdown of peripheral vision and difficulty focusing. By the way, I'm reading off my own notes here. That's why it's so in tune. It's not usually my normal mumbling and bumbling. Um, uh, headaches as well is a really common one. Uh, like headiness vertigo was a massive one for me it really felt like i was off balance all the time that's actually what i thought my anxiety was to begin with because it really felt that like i was so dizzy and off balance um and tinnitus and eye flowers that's something that i get as well is i kind of get these eye migraines and it, you know you can see like it almost looks like i don't know like little insects running around your eyes sorry i don't know i'm a crazy person oh no um uh, lack of energy okay so a lot of people that suffer with anxiety just are spent and exhausted all the time and that's because you know you're in that fight and flight response all the time adrenaline pumping into your system is a it's a tiring drug it's a tiring drug and you know accompanied with a stress hormone into that it ain't a fun combination trust me you know you think your vodka red bulls with your depressant and your stimulant at the same time is going to is a bad idea try sticking adrenaline and cortisol in your system and they come back to me but the main physical symptom that I want to make everybody so aware of is so simple. It is pain. Anxiety comes with pain for some people, as in physical, physical pain for aches, stomach aches. I, the level, I'm going to talk personally, the, the level of stomach pain that I've had, I find it, I, honestly, I question, I don't want to kind of big it up into kind of egotistical sense, but I question what other things feel like that because it was so intense. Like if that was bottom line, then maybe I am just a little fanny. I, I'm not too sure. Let's say before, imagine you go out and I don't, I don't know, maybe you've drank like a litre of Glens or something like that and with some horrible mixers, some bars, cherry flat mixer or something like that, and you've maybe sank some apple cider vinegar beforehand too. That stomach pain that you're going to get the next day is kind of, on, I would say, kind of on par with anxiety pain. But like I say, fortunately for your hangover, it's probably going to last one day. People... Uh, 2009 now i'm not saying that i suffered every day like this but i would probably say around about 10 to 20 percent of the time i probably have which is daunting and aches and pains horrible 
you, you can get random back aches and say headaches. I, I get a lot of like neck tension. That's because I kind of get this little neck twitch. So I'm I'm giving all the spoilers away for my symptoms for later on in the episode. This isn't going to run that much longer actually. I've just had little time checks just now. And um, so yeah, I will actually move on with that to causes of anxiety. And this is this is a very complex topic on itself. So a lot of people can obviously form anxiety disorders just from the environment that they're living in. Maybe they've got a lot of financial stress. Maybe they've got um, a, a health issue. Um, maybe they've got an outer relationship. Maybe they're moving house. Maybe they're starting a new job. All these things that, like I've said earlier in the episode, that might start off as kind of nerves if they're not addressed. And certainly if you then find yourself in a certain area that maybe your chemicals are slightly imbalanced in your head, then it's quite easily going to develop into anxiety disorder. And specifically, you're then going to develop that anxiety order for probably the environment that you first found that state of anxiety in. Because obviously you're going to be hypersensitive of what's just happened to you. You're going to realize that your anxiety probably came from that such trigger. And that can be an that can be an issue in itself because if you were somebody that did have a slight chemical imbalance in in your body before that, you might not then get to the root cause of that because it would have been blocked by that that issue. So that's why it's so important to talk as well because when you talk, you're gonna you naturally flow. When I do this at the end of an episode, I can be oh my god, yeah, kind of light bulb moment, Eureka! I can't believe I just thought of that sort of thing just in my own speech. So when you are speaking speaking, it does help. It helps you understand your anxiety a little bit more. Uh, you you could also have a traumatic event as a kid or even as an adult um I, as well um when i was on about different classifications of anxiety disorders ptsd falls into that too but i kind of think i don't like ptsd being in there for specific reasons that that's again kind of like depression that's another beast that i think needs to address in a totally different episode itself so that's that's why i left, left that out so obviously trauma can um can create anxieties throughout your life and a, a lot for a lot of people what that happens with they, they don't realize that that event can trigger an anxiety and it can just happen one day such as you know panic disorder sets in and you have a panic attack you don't understand why and it can take you know, years of therapy for you to find that root cause that can be a reason for anxiety and of course there's the chemical imbalance issues for anxiety so a lot of people that suffer with anxiety are not very good at producing their own serotonin very well and serotonin basically you know regulates your your mood, you know, your happiness, but also it goes a lot further than that. It's also serotonin aids greatly in your digestion and your sleep cycle too. So that's why a lot of people that struggle with anxiety also, again, have these stomach issues and insomnia and lack of energy is a massive issue too, because again, it's quite taxing on the body. But I'm not going to go into the total the boredom of the neurotransmission and whatnot about what serotonin specifically does into the brain. Um. Obviously, we can get around that in, in the treatment by adding in what's uh, SSRI, which for a lot of people, we just call them antidepressants. Um, although technically, uh, yeah, they are just making you not, not depressed, but they're lowering your anxiety. So basically, what SSRI will do will um, it basically starts, it makes serotonin for your body. Your, it gets passed around with the neurotransmitters and then your mood should stabilize through that. Your anxiety level should drop. Your sleep should improve. Your depth your digestion should get better and generally your quality of life should improve which is you know it is the case um the majority of the time most of the people that go on ssris are generally quite good for the rest of their life what again brings in another fault to itself because a lot of people you know when when people go on antidepressants you know i have no problem with the idea that i might have to take this for the rest of my life it's quite simple if i had a sore foot 
that the doctors didn't really know what to do with, but it says, tell you what, Andrew, if you take a paracetamol in the morning, you're not going to have a fucking sore foot all day. I'm going to do it, and I'm not going to be judged. There's no difference between that and, and any sort of medication for your brain, okay? And there's obviously there's such a whole host of different types of antidepressants. So if you try one, it has nothing. It might not be lo- not anything, sorry, like the, the one previously you've tried. Maybe you've tried something before. Maybe you're going on them for the first time. You don't like the side effects that you're getting off the first one. So you, you jump into another one. You might not get quite as bad side effects. Maybe you'll get worse side effects. So you can try another. So the list is never just exhausted to your very first antidepressant or SSRI, SS. SNRI, if we're talking about venofaxine, like I've said before, venofaxine has norepinephrine in it, which is uh, gives you a little bit of energy as well. So that could potentially be an option to you if you've went to the doctor and you're saying, you know, doctor, I've got really bad anxiety, but also I'm really struggling to get out of bed in the morning. You know, venofaxine then might be the best choice for you. So there's if you're if you're ever thinking about going on the medicinal route like that, then you'll know, speak to your doctor. Um, have a look online as well. You can get a lot of information online um, off, you know, very reputable websites. Don't be worried about mis- misinformation on SSRIs. There, there shouldn't be a lot of that. And obviously, more importantly, what to expect about if you are maybe taking these things for the first time because they do give you side effects and the side effects can be can be very intense. Um, talking from personal personal standpoint, I would say in the first two days of taking Citalopram, I was, I've never been so sympathize happy in my entire life and then after that god it was horrible the aches and pains i just generally felt like i had the cold for about three weeks it just wasn't a very nice time but maybe you don't want to go down the medicinal route and that is absolutely fine Um, a lot of people get freaked out with the idea of putting um chemicals into the brain to alter the brain that maybe they don't have control then over and no that's absolutely fine that can create an anxiety so if it's not for you i am not going to sit here and sit here and say you know naughty 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 you should go and take citalopram or yada 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 you don't not everybody needs it um so another treatment that is quite often given out for the for the doctor specifically is cognitive behavioral therapy cbt <laughs> and I, I know a lot of people will probably will probably know that i'm not the biggest fan of cbt but you have to understand i've done cbt for years like i say for 2009 and every time we kind of go back to the doctors we certainly did you had you always had to go down the cbt route again which uh, you know cbt is good for what it is it just doesn't work for me because i've done it so many times and i'd highly recommend it it's certainly for anybody that's you know maybe just understanding maybe they're, they're just starting to understand their anxiety for the first time and they're looking at tre- different treatments maybe you don't want to go down the medicine route then certainly cbt is a great choice for you and there's a load of websites um beat the blues nhs obviously 24 you're you're going to get loads there's so many in your local area too there's so many helplines you can get on now and you can do it yourself um cbt is is that a type of meditation no not quite but they, they kind of lie themselves align themselves it's all about obviously understanding your breathing understanding your body becoming at one almost and it is good it is good it helps you embrace it it helps you embrace your fear slightly because you're you are you have to think of your anxiety and how it makes you feel and you know talk about it slightly and you do that internal error externally with cbt so it is very versatile and that's why it can work so well for so many people uh, obviously for those that maybe like me that i've tried cbt and you don't really get anything more out of it i would highly recommend personally more you know chakras meditation transcendental meditation but a lot of people go down therapy 
and counseling and whatnot, which again, that is great because if you can get to the root cause of the problem, then you're know, good on you. Absolutely fucking fantastic. If you can understand exactly what's causing your anxiety, then generally from there, you're going to be on top of it. And that's, you know, I like hearing about people that, that, that do have the success, success stories with anxiety. They're just as good as in, in, any other illness. That, of course, there is one more treatment that is 100% proven to work time after time after time. And it's so simple. It's talking about your issue. When you talk about your anxiety, you make it more real for yourself and real for other people. And that, straight away, it's then easier to understand, to come to terms with. Now, I know it's really cliche all the time. We are reminded all the time to talk, 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 and it's thrown at us. But it does work, trust me. The amount of times that even myself, I mean, I, I am very open, as you know, but I don't talk all the time about what's bothered me. And see, when I do, the relief of just getting it off your chest and just just being able to vocalize it, not having that internal battle going on all the time, just works so much. So please, guys, the, the best bit of advice is talk to somebody. So um, so what I want to kind of do now is um, I kind of want to go through my kind of little story again with anxiety for anybody that's maybe joined us as well. So I'm not going to go full scale into this. And um, yeah, so I, I started suffering from anxiety. It was put on that post every day. I read about you know September, October time, 2009, it would have been. And um, and when it started then, like I said earlier in this episode, uh, vertigo would have been, you know, one of the first kind of understandings of what I thought it was other than anxiety because I had a really kind of light head and I felt generally quite dizzy and it wasn't like dizziness like you stand up too quick dizziness it was it, it felt like really inside between my ears if that makes sense Um it made me feel really lightheaded and just just generally not very nice but only that only really happened like I say when it first started happening um you know, more often, even even at that, was only maybe happening once every couple of weeks or so. So, so for me, it was always, it never really was a mental health thing. It was just something that was kind of coming and going because I didn't really understand mental health at that, at that point whatsoever. But then obviously my symptoms developed into a little bit more nasty, I suppose is the word to use for them. So um, yeah, so obviously the neck twitch is quite a big one. Uh, whenever I made eye contact with somebody, it really did feel like my neck was going to literally snap off a fucking snap off my shoulders it was a horrible feeling and uh, generally whenever I'm kind of coming under anxiety my main thing that I used to get all the time was like my breathing that would be <laughs> getting that horrible feeling where you just you just want to catch your breath but you just can't get quite deep enough into your chest I used to get that all the time and from there I used to fake yawn that was a really common one a lot of people picked me up on that hey yawning you're yawning all the time it's not nice when people pick up at like <laughs> what you're trying to hide you can't blame anybody for that. I mean, they don't understand why you're doing that, do they? But I'd say, you know, the three main symptoms, the three really bad symptoms that I really get is um, obviously stomach upset. Uh, like I've spoken about in, in before, I make myself sick so many times. It's for me, for my anxiety, it always feels incredibly internal in my stomach. So it really does ratch up in my stomach quite a bit. Uh, again, like I've said earlier, your your stomach is your second brain in terms of nerves and feelings, sensitivity and whatnot that you're going to get down there. So that is why you get that, that really horrible, painful feeling in your stomach and the cortisol like we spoke about before. So yeah, generally I make myself sick a hell of a lot when I've got anxiety, which is not recommended. It doesn't get rid of it. It That is, it is all in your head. I mean, it really is. Because to me at that time, and this is what I'm going on as well, that you try to tell me that I won't listen to you. Like, 
I've made myself sick so many times after anxiety. God forbid I, I wake up tomorrow by a terrible episode, I'll start making myself sick. Because to me, again, it, it will be the feeling that I can get rid of it that way. And that's what I mean when there is, when people are talking and there's an understanding, you really do have to listen to understand that people cannot sometimes control their actions when they're in this massive heightened state of anxiety. And that's what the awareness needs to grow at now. That It's great that we can speak about this. And it's great that we can talk, have these conversations with one another, but they only really take heed if the awareness goes simultaneously with it and respected awareness too. It's very easy to be aware of, of an issue or somebody's issue, but respecting it is another thing that you have to really understand and not get frustrated by it. And it, I, I understand that that's very hard for people to understand. I get that. But, and that is from a lack of awareness. So I could keep on going around here for another hour or so, just keep on going, going around the lack of awareness issue. That is why I'm doing this. Um, so insomnia as well is probably my second least favorite symptom that I get. Um, I speak about insomnia a lot. I'm quite open about insomnia. Uh, when I get when I have really bad episodes, it's not that I, I don't typically go more than twenty four hours without sleep. It's just I can't stay asleep. It's horrible. Like I can literally go to sleep and wake up fifteen minutes later, and it feels like I've had an eight hour sleep, but I don't have the energy as soon as I get up. And you, you know that feeling when you're really tired, you're like exhausted, tired. It's just like that on repeat every single day until you kind of catch your drift again. Um, which is it's a disgusting feeling. Everybody knows like how horrible that feeling is when you're tossing and turning at night. But that every night on repeat is 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 taxing on you. And uh, for me personally, and me honestly, that for me can be the most damaging because that really does make my mind go into overdrive. And especially when I get exhausted, the depression factor comes back into it. So that's why sleep for me is so massive. I know obviously a lot of people that I work with probably hear every day oh, I've no slept that great. I've, no, I've had this many hours. I super analyze my sleep because it is so important to me. It's fundamental to make to me making making sure that I feel okay. And I know that for a lot of people that maybe watch my gym videos and I'm hey, when well, you're going training at three in the morning and whatnot. Yeah, that's because I'm at that point of being like, you know, fuck this. I am not lying in bed listening to this shit in my head anymore. I have to get out and do something. So that trust me, at times if I could sleep, I fucking would sleep. And finally, the, the the last horrible symptom that I get is obviously the uh, the racing thoughts, and they can range from tiny little racing thoughts all the way across to unfortunately suicidal thoughts. And that's why anxiety, although we can look at it as as a small issue, the range of what it can do to somebody is 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 on a different scale to anything else, I believe. And that's why it's so important again to go back to the awareness. Um and Racing thoughts, yeah, they're just not fun. Again, like I've spoken about before, uh, I can wake up in the morning. I've used the the kind of the kind of juice I, uh, analogy almost to try and explain how it feels, which it is just about exactly how it feels. I suppose it's a, there's all this energy and racing thoughts and anger and and whatnot going through my heads in the morning, and it feels that the only way I can get that was just an explosion of energy in it. Um, it does. It works. It's a nice distraction tactic for me. And I, I'm I'm not going to spend a great deal of time talking about the the range of racing thoughts and whatnot. It's just it's just known that anybody that's suffering at the time again they, they don't have the control. Once again, like I, again, I've used the uh, God. How many times I'm going to say again in this episode? Fucking hell! And you know, don't think of a polar bear when you close your eyes. Of course, you're going to think of a polar bear as soon as you close your eyes, or once your eyes are closed. The minute that I say the word polar bear, you're going to envision the polar bear. So when you're Thinking about anxiety and your mind's racing and you have these racing thoughts, 
try to tell yourself don't think of anxiety you've already told yourself that you're going to avoid thinking of anxiety so what do you expect your mind to do in that situation when it's already in overdrive you know it it doesn't work so i'm not saying embrace the anxiety (laughs) obviously if you've got ways to to calm the anxiety but i'm not a believer that people that people can ignore their anxiety if you can then that's brilliant but for me personally that's something that i've never really been able to do or or get my head around is just to kind of you know hit the stop button with it which is why i named my anxiety judith actually Uh, yeah a lot of people probably scratch their heads being well why are you giving it a name that's fucking stupid and i say bull cocky to that no you are stupid (laughs) no you're not really um so i I want to detach my anxiety away from me the most or the best way I can. And to give that to do that, I give it a name. Because it's not Andrew, it's not part of me. It's not who or sorry, it is part of me, but it's not who I want it to be part of Andrew. So I call it Judith, and that way whenever Judith comes about, I can tell her in my head, you know, Judith, fuck off right now, okay? I can't even deal with you. And that's as close as I can get to turning it off. And it works, it has worked for me, I should say. Um, I get I can't go out and say this works 100 percent it's gonna it's gonna cure your anxieties or whatnot but and it's a suggestion that's worked for me it's a, it's a because there is a kind of depersonalization that we when you get quite bad with anxiety and that can be really confusing so it's something it's again it's just another coping technique that I've used that when I'm struggling to feel myself anyway the the last thing that I kind of want to feel about myself is this pain and kind of torment that I'm going through. So that it's a really good, I don't know, would you call it escapism? Escape tactic out of a way? Anyway, it works. Doesn't matter what it is by definition. So that's, um, that, it's just, it's just a suggestion. Again, I was speaking to people this week and they named some anxieties. It's cool. We're going to start a little family at this point. You can get them a little show or something. And uh, how do I deal with my anxiety? Okay. So obviously I'm on medication. Um, for anybody that's tuned in any ever podcast is still obviously i'm not too sure whether i'll go down the ever medication route or not just yet but it's certainly something that's going to be a topic of conversation coming up over the next couple of months i'm sure so i'm on a 40 milligram citalopram i also take propanolol i've spoken briefly about propanolol in the past propanolol i realize i mumble and what i'm on i think there are 10 milligram tablets to come in uh, propanolol is quite weak it slows down the heart so it's it's yeah it's going to really work for you if one of your symptoms is a racy chest and whatnot and a regular heartbeat from your anxiety it's going to help slow that down maybe help your breathing and then calm yourself down and whatnot so yeah you know it's it's not a bad treatment choice it's just it doesn't really do much for me it, it, i think because because what's going on in my head accentuates so much more that's going on in my body when I'm going through these episodes, uh, propanolol's never going to get close to touching it. Like I've, I'd be open and say that when I've done went down to the doctors before, I've asked them for diazepam just to just to stop it. Just you know, just just give me a little bit of time away from it, please. Yeah, but uh, doctors aren't going to ha- go hand out uh, diazepam willy nilly. By the way, <laughs> just uh, yeah, don't try that. And obviously, I, I spoke about CBT earlier and what it's done for me. So it really helped me at the start of my anxiety it was the very first kind of treatment but in fact no it was the very first treatment that i took um even before going down antidepressants and whatnot so it, cbt really works the the one the way that i used it was i used to hold on to my negative energy by tense in certain areas of my body and when i breathed out i'd exhale and the negativity was a release for me and it did work and it, it, that kind of started my I'm not going to say my love or passion, but my interest in meditation, just saying the powers of meditation, because meditation is massive. I'm going to get onto that in a second and what it does for me. So yeah, CBD is really good as an introduction 
Um, it's, uh, yeah, that, that's the best way to think, put it, I think, is it's a good introduction treatment to anxiety. If you're not quite ready to go down the medication route yet, yeah, I would certainly go down the CBT route. And yeah, so meditation. Um, meditation for me really helps me understand what's going on in my head when, because because I struggle with racing squats so much, uh, Sass will agree with me. I can go for a rollie just now. I don't know if I've said this before. It's usually about 20 minutes that I'm away, even just to go and make a rollie because I go and make a rollie. I'm wash, washing the dishes. The cheek of it. I'm going to get fucking slapped for that. Do I? hell wash the dishes. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe go for a rollie. Maybe I'll eat something. I'm really into some popcorn now, so maybe I've ate some popcorn. I'll come back through. I'll go to the toilet. I'll go upstairs. I'll start you know, putting some clothes away. Then I'll come back down and do a rollie because I've got all these racing thoughts going on in my head. I, I'm not actually concentrating on what I'm meant to be doing. So, when I come around to meditating, meditating for me is another chance at some of these thoughts. Um, you just need to bear with me because some of the thoughts that are going through my head are quite useful thoughts. Um, so it's a chance for my body to, or my subconscious to allow them to come back to the, come back to the front. And obviously it's time for me to totally relax myself and listen to my body. Um, a lot of people, you can, you can think about what you, what you want with this, but I had a really lovely, lovely deep meditation um, session last week in the bath. Well, they went on for, I don't know, nearly an hour and a half, an hour and a half hour and 45 minutes and what I came away with was an internal voice of myself saying to get over this you're going to have to start trusting yourself and learn to trust yourself because right now you trust everybody else but you don't trust yourself and that's why you're feeling let down at times uh, within yourself that is so that for me it makes me understand things and that, that you know I get a light bulb moment then going right okay yeah that actually does hit me that makes sense to me I, I don't trust myself and I don't mean in a horrible way. Uh, how to explain that? I don't trust myself. I, I rely a lot on people to make me feel better. If that makes sense, like everybody's happiness kind of makes me feel happy. So I need to trust myself to make sure that I can make myself happy again, which I know I can. Um, so it's all sort of things like that. So that's why meditation can work really, really, really well, and I'd highly recommend it. And of course, um, exercise. Okay, gym again. I'm not going to talk about the gym too much in this episode, but get out to the gym, moving your body, the challenge, you're going into an area that you don't really want to, to go in. It's easy for me. I love the gym. I could go to the gym two or three times a day, every day, if my body allowed it. I, and, but I totally understand that some people do not like the gym. They do not like exercise. They just do it because it does help them. It puts them in that frame of mind of going in somewhere and kind of breaking down that barrier. That is absolutely fine. You don't need to love exercise because you go to the gym and that's really respectful in its own right. I'd say a lot of people go to the gym purely to train their mind. And, um, you know, that that's effectively what, yeah, I'm not going to say that's 100% what I've been doing recently, but it is, you know, it is the main core of what I've been doing. Just making sure that I feel really good again and really good about training and listening to my body and, and just enjoying myself, you know, getting in there. Some days I don't really feel up for it, pushing yourself. And one thing that's wonderful about the gym with anxiety is that when you do inevitably start falling in love with the gym, trust me, if you if you stick it out, you're going to fall in love with the gym. It changes your life outside of the gym. So you start to build all these healthy habits. You sleep, you forcefully sleep better you eat better you're getting you're getting all these lovely vitamins into your system and that's the beauty of the gym and that's the beauty of the exercise 
is that yes okay it's great to get out and go and do things but in turn you're learning these really good life habits that you can stick at and once you learn these and develop these you're not going to have as many issues with anxiety in the future so that's kind of helped you a couple of uh, before i kind of turn off on this episode there's a couple of things that kind of want to go through and that's just you know things to avoid i'm 35 and i've not done things the right way um since i've since i've struggled with anxiety so alcohol okay everybody loves alcohol and i know i'm right i pretty much stopped drinking as of this year because of what's happened this year that doesn't mean i'm not going to drink again like i've said this to people before just now alcohol is complete take it or leave it it's more obviously leave it just now um, I know it doesn't do me any good, so it's very important for me now to have that sacrifice in my life. And to be honest, I'm feeling so much better for without it. That's why I've not went back to it at all. But you have to now. I know, I know, I know a lot of young people listening obviously don't like to hear this, but if if your mental health is an issue, a really serious issue, you have to be serious about limiting your alcohol consumption. The, the the two do not go hand in hand it's a depressant it's going to tie your body down you're not going to sleep well your digestive problems are going to start happening it's i'm not berating alcohol i'm not saying you know if you do this you're going to die you're dancing with the devil and stuff like that Fuck, i've drank so many times but in a serious note on mental health you really should avoid it as much as you can when when especially when you're feeling down do not turn to alcohol as a coping mechanism. I've made that mistake so, so, so many times, and it is the worst mistake you will make in terms of anxiety. Obviously, recovery, it's 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 not a good mix, okay? And obviously, if you're if you if you are taking antidepressants, you take alcohol, you are lowering the effect of the antidepressants that then obviously can lead to people not really thinking the effectiveness is there of their antidepressants is stop taking them and then they end up a hell of a lot worse because the antidepressants was actually kind of helping them a little bit it was just actually the effect of alcohol with the antidepressant that was making themselves shit but as people we don't look to the honest answer we look to the thing that yeah i don't need that i introduced that but it can't be the alcohol can it no and obviously cannabis so highly contested uh, debate would obviously be cannabis and mental health so I'm obviously very transparent, transparent and open that I do use cannabis, and the the majority of my cannabis cannabis use is for medicinal purpose, or that's the way I think it is. But I I want to make a really interesting point that I think will probably ring true to a lot of people uh, listening to this for those that do use cannabis specifically for anxiety, and that is that if if I come up to you and we're having a conversation about anxiety and you turn around to me and you say, "Yes, Andrew, don't worry, but I smoke." Um, granddaddy purple at night time because it, it helps me sleep it's a nice indica and it and it cures me of my anxiety and i think well you know what that what a brilliant idea you know who'd have thought the cannabis after all these years after all the hate that it would have got would have cured anxiety and well that's just not the case I, uh, cannabis does not cure anxiety and again i'm i'm a user of it but i'll, t- I'll tell you how it is um so you come to me and you tell me that you're smoking this this uh, cannabis because it cures your anxiety and i say right okay well take it away for five days and let's just see what happens and you take it away for five days and you get to day three and you come back and say look my symptoms of anxiety is back i'm i can't sleep i can't do this i can't i can't function it's the cannabis and i go okay you know what three days is enough torture there you go have your cannabis back you go smoke a joint and straight away your anxiety goes away and then you you, by right you would turn around and say see i told you why did you take it away it cures my anxiety i said no 
cannabis does not cure your anxiety. All you do is demonstrate a, a reliance, a dependability on the cannabis to, to manage and mask your anxiety symptoms. That's all you've done. CBD does help with uh, depression and anxiety. Okay, THC doesn't in, in higher doses. Yes, we can look at the science coming out from America and Canada that low-dose THC is good at the neurotransmission areas, but we can't fake uh, in, information just to fit into our own narrative, okay? Again, it, it's a moderation thing that if if you, if you really are struggling men- mentally, um, an accession, an increase in your cannabis use is not going to help. It might feel like it's helping at the time, but when you eventually you're going to have to stop smoking as much cannabis and then you're going to have a problem. So they were, you know, the two common common things that I've obviously come across and speak about quite often, um, drugs and cannabis, uh, drugs and drinking cannabis, sorry, um, as the two kind of antagonists, shall we say. Although, you know, as they, I do take cannabis for my anxiety, though, so who the fuck is this guy? At least I know it's not good for me. Yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, we'll probably do a separate discussion on, on them two topics in time. And this is... Yeah, I guess this would be probably this 45 minutes of an episode. Now I think that's plenty of an introduction to anxiety. And what I'd really like to offer now, because I kind of, similar to my little shark series, I, I do want to make a little mini series out of these. So I want to do another anxiety one where we'll, we'll go in and we'll look a little bit deeper into the brain and what's actually happening there and, and the, the responses for your body. Because, I, you know, I'm really interested for the biomechanics and the physiology of what's happens to your body during this sort of stuff. I don't know if you guys are, but if you want to hear it, then obviously we'll put the podcast together. Obviously, I've spoken about I'll do another episode, probably specifically on depression, which again is something that I can speak quite personally of. But for awareness, I also want to bring in obviously some other disorders and illnesses um, and some of them that I haven't suffered from. So obviously, I do want to talk about PTSD and, and complex PTSD, uh, schizophrenia and, you know, all these other little illnesses and and and, and bring up awareness uh, to it, especially for for November coming up. So what I do want to offer again is that if you do want to come on, it can be anxiety. It's absolutely no problem. We don't mind redoing this. If you want to come on at any time and tell your story, you are more than welcome to. Obviously, it's obviously only if you feel comfortable to do so. But with Men's Mental Health Month coming up, Mental Health Month. I prefer just say Mental Health Month. Um, I, I really don't like this men's women divide thing. You know, let's just look out for each other. It's, it's so stupid. You know, obviously be it exactly who you want to be, but why do we need to have a men's mental health mum, a woman's mental health mum? I seen the other day, and I, I don't want to bring racism into this. There's programs now of black people's mental health and white people's mental health, and you know, I, I get there's obviously the subdivides and ethnic. Uh, communities obviously are hurt a hell of a lot harder I'm, I'm not being stupid about that and, and being ignorant but as a subject as a whole if we want to raise awareness let's just do this all fucking together it's not hard if you take the the problem is just now that or i think anyway the, the reason my anxiety and, and everything's not taken seriously is because we subdivide it off into all these stupid little brackets like that so and and it makes the numbers seem so low and if you generally just got a whole number of everybody went this is their do with anxiety it would stand out a hell of a lot fucking more than if you got a hundred thousand people there and 1700 people with that little ethnic community and whatnot okay when we talk about ethnics anxiety and depression is primarily a western problem 
it's not so much of an Eastern problem due to family ties, like it was spoke about before. So it's internally our problem, and it should be ours to deal with. Sorry, I've just been totally ran off there for like two minutes. God, see how my racing thoughts go? Mental. So I really hope you just enjoyed this episode. This has been one of my more favorite ones to do. Um, I'm on audio clip 73, so that's how many times I lost my chain of thought today. <laughs> which isn't bad that's not bad that i've had to hit pause 73 times that's an improvement we are heading in the right direction so guys i absolutely love you thank you so much again for all the messages and until next time i've been andrew willicks and this has been the borderline podcast good night